I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Potowitz, and today I welcome Gary Hennis to the show. Gary is responsible for all aspects of daily operations of the Westminster communities of Florida. He has over 25 years experience serving in various leadership capacities for not-for-profit mission-driven organizations. Mr. Hennis is a licensed nursing home administrator, holds a bachelor's degree in health planning administration, and has continued his studies with graduate work in health services administration. He joined the organization as chief operating officer in October of 2011. Welcome, Gary. It's good to see you, Julie. It's wonderful to be here as part of your podcast. (laughs) It's great to hear you and see you. And Gary, October of 2011, and I've known you ever since you joined the organization. As a matter of fact, I remember the day that we met, I was uh, doing a training for your teams and I had on two different shoes. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. I do. I thought it was just unique. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was, you know, oh, everything's going great. And, and do you have any questions? And right away, you know, several hands up. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know. And one of the women said, uh, do you know you have two different shoes on? <laughs> and I looked out. I'm like, okay, so this is a woman who's running at slightly too fast a pace. Oh my gosh, a lot's gone on since 2011. So Gary, tell us about a little bit about your background, specific as your chief operating officer, right? But I've always known you to be a sales leader. So maybe you could just shed some light on your uh, background and really how it relates to sales as an operator. Sure. Um, Well, I started in the field actually, back in 1985. So I've been in the field quite long, um, right out of uh, undergraduate work. So, and I started in affordable housing, uh, eventually got in to be a nursing home administrator and eventually worked my way up. And along along those um, career changes, uh, you soon become keenly aware of the importance of sales and your sales team. And um, that's always stayed with me because in order to be successful, um, it comes back, a lot of it comes back to your sales and occupancy, right? So um, that's always been something that um, I needed to learn more about and be keenly aware. And when you and I met uh, about 11 years ago, um, entering into Westminster communities of Florida, quickly realized that uh, our structure and process in the sales teams um, was not consistent. We had communities that were very successful and others that were struggling at the time. And 
thankfully, I got to meet you and a few others um, from your team and help us really evaluate um, how best to structure and create processes that would make us more successful. And you, I mean, Westminster, of course, I've been a fan for many years and you've had tremendous success in Florida. Uh, can you kind of, it, even through COVID, right? And some, and great growth. Can you uh, share, you know, the journey there and really what you attribute to this success? Sure. I, I think it's, it's fair to say over the 11 years, Westminster has grown, um, quite substantially through the acquisition of communities or um, communities that have decided to affiliate with us um, um, because of our expertise. Um, Our last community, one of our last CCRCs or life plan communities that uh, joined us was coming out of double bankruptcy and was having significant challenges with occupancy. So um, going into the pandemic, it's fair to say that um, we were sitting pretty uh, for an organization. All of our life plan communities were at 95% or greater. Um, Our affordable housing communities were always at 98, 99%. Um, And so that first year, um, because we were pretty aggressive at uh, securing the future of our residents and pivoting um, where we needed to, Um, we were able to maintain our occupancy through that first year uh, pretty strongly. Uh, It's fair to say though, uh, 2021 and um, going into 22 here, we've seen uh, impacts to our occupancy, but we uh, still remain strong. We've uh, always compare ourselves to the NIC data um, so that uh, as a true benchmarking for ourselves, just to make sure that we're grounded and um, we're sitting at 90% as an organization. Um, and so you can see where the impact has been uh, for those two years. Um, but it's fair to say that we celebrate um, our growth and uh, our occupancies every time that we can. So we have today, we have communities at 98%, and then we still have others that uh, have been um, more profoundly impacted that um, we're working with the teams to uh, rebound, to get us back to where we were. And can you tell us a little bit, those that aren't familiar with Westminster, your portfolio of uh, offerings? Sure, we have 10 uh, life plan communities of various sizes. Our largest um, is just under 700 uh, independent living units, assisted living and uh, skilled nursing with some memory care. Okay, okay, well, it's it's tremendous. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, sales, sales systems, sales processes and consistency. I'm curious, Gary, from with you know from your experience, um, what you know when you see you know your communities at ninety eight percent, ninety five percent, ninety percent portfolio, which is an incredible uh, two years into COVID, it's incredible period. But two years into COVID, um, what do you think makes a leader, unless specifically sales leader, successful? in this business, especially now? Standing um, what it takes as far as 
um, built the ability to build relationships and maintain that relationship, um, whether in person over Zoom um, uh, or, you know, just building that relationship over time from the initial contact to the point that um, the prospective resident moves into our community. I think that's one of the keys. Um, the other piece is self-accountability, um, you know, to meeting the metrics that are established, whether or not that's time on the phone, time um, converting to tours, uh, or converting to um, eventually the individual to become a resident. I think those, those are keys. Um, for the organization as a whole to make sure that we have enough support for our sales teams and that each of our executive directors are integrated into that sales um, process and that they are actually considered part of the sales leadership um, mm. support uh, each of the sales directors. So um, I think we have that pretty well down in, you know, over the years. And a lot of that, uh, I'll give you um, props for you know, all your support and, and assisting the organization to get it right Back when, it, um, back when we um, had our challenges back in 2011, you know, coming out of the downturn in Florida. Feels like a long time ago in a way and another the time is flying, but you, you know, you mentioned, well, 2011, we were still, you know, especially our business in a recovering from the great recession. Uh, but Gary, you know, the lot of organizations uh, maybe not enough, but quite a few, you know, do sales training, which is great. It's so critically important, uh, but it's that consistency over time and it's that accountability. And, you know, it, it's just like starting anything. It's that's fun and new and woo woo. We get all kind of pumped up and then, oh, you know, we have to go back to real life, which can be draining. You talked about sales directors being able to make connections and carry relationships forward and, and, and do the work and do the follow-up and it, it can and face so many challenges and without strong leadership, right? And accountability and consistency and coaching and focus, uh, it's going to go, it's going to go down, right? And, and I right. think one thing about Westminster that I know to be true is that you're it wasn't back in 2011, you did training and then, you know, never looked at it again. So how do you structure your uh, re-emphasis on sales and occupancy? Well, one of the things that you helped me way back when um, coming into this role was, it was all about back to basics. And when I say back to basics, it's those um, measurables that um, we have to focus on uh, in addition to structure. So when um, I talked about that uh, initially back in 2011, um, we had one region of our organization that was successful. The other region had a very different structure and it was set up more as a uh, decentralized sales process and um, clearly was not working. So, um, through our planning process and re-looking at that, we um, went back and had a consistent structure at every single one of our life planning communities, which 
included the sales director, sales counselors, any additional administrative support, uh, moving coordinator, et cetera, so that we were consistent in every community. And then we worked on educating uh, each of the executive directors and assistant executive directors and to understand that they were part of the process um, for that sales team and to recognize in every small win that was possible and whether or not it was metrics that we were looking at or actual sales coming in and um, celebrating where we uh, had those successes or also recognizing when we were not moving things forward and to truly evaluate the process. It wasn't always about the individual. Sometimes it was about the consistency, consistency in the process. Well, um, you mentioned back to basics. I'm taking notes, Gary. Uh, back to basics, consistency, and evaluating the process, right? And if you don't have a process or the benchmarks or the, the consistency, you have nothing to measure against. And then you're, I like it when you said not necessarily evaluating the person, but the process. They're like figuring out which problem you need to solve, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes, so, you know, sometimes it is the individual and sometimes the yeah. individual is motivated um, differently. And it's about understanding and having those discussions, whether, whether or not we're helping to prop an individual up or coach them to help them do better or yeah. help them realize that maybe the sales director role might not be the best fit for them. They might do actually better in a sales counselor role. In sure, some, sure. Um, or in, in some cases, maybe they um, have a stronger desire to do something else and didn't realize it. And through that process, you know, you help those individuals come to that discovery. So two things I wanted to kind of uh, follow up. The first is operators. So you, you talked about your administrators, your executive directors really leading sales, just like you as chief operating officer lead. I know you have a phenomenal um, vice president of sales who I, I admire a lot, uh, but you ultimately, right, you, you lead the, the direction and at the community level, the executive director does. Can, is there, what advice would you give someone listening to this who may just be starting down this path or is having challenges with executive leadership buying into being sales focused? I think um, if I go back to my years as an executive director, one of the things that I realized pretty quickly is that I needed to learn how the sales process worked. So that I, if I had that understanding, it's difficult to enforce something or work with individuals to have a complete understanding of if I didn't understand each of the roles in the process and that makes a successful sales um, outcome. So um, in learning that myself um, and putting myself into that role, I was able to support those sales directors you know, there's always um, a budget that gets created and, and out of that budget, there's a number of sales that must be achieved through the year and hopefully you're exceeding those um, levels that you anticipate. Um, but 
sometimes depending on the market, um, that becomes much more difficult, um, especially when there's new competition coming in. But it's all about owning your market. I think part of it's about owning your market, understanding who your competitors are, even people that, or products that are in your market that you might not understand. I think it's, it's critically important for the sales director and the executive director to do tours, to understand who your competitors are um, so that you're establishing um, realistic expectations of your team. It's one thing to have stretch goals. Um, it, it's another thing to have realistic goals so that you can have both and I think um, so that you have the ability to reach a target and then exceed a target mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, that, in that process. So if you understand your market, you know your competitors in your market, it's, it's better um, you have a holistic view. And you know, in senior living, there are, um, while we are life plan communities, we, have a modified agreement. There's the type A contracts and then there's the rental contracts or just plain type Cs. But there's also just, um, especially in Florida, compared to Pennsylvania where I spent the majority of my career, um, there's a lot more for-profit providers providing different services here in Florida. So um, understanding that market and what each of those um, bring to the table as far as options for your prospective residents really helps you identify and understand the market you're going for. And then it's about owning that market and um, working with your sales teams to, so that there's a complete understanding and know how to sell against those products. Um, that understanding has to be with the executive director and your sales director. Uh, it's paramount to understand that um, so that you know the differences that are there so that you can really sell the benefits of your particular campus uh, against the others. I don't know if and, I answered you know, that question totally. No, you know, so the, you know, selling senior living in is challenging. Selling period is challenging. Uh, but life plan, you know, that is, takes it up a notch, right? Uh, because yeah. this is even a bigger financial commitment, right? Up front. So that sales, you know, it, in, in my experience, Gary, someone who really spends a time to master sales and senior living is a master is like a master's degree in sales because this is um, such a, a high level sale as I call it and selling life plan is the PhD um, and you guys have a very strong sales team uh, in a uh, in a, an industry with very high turnover you manage to maintain, I don't know if your exact statistics, but I'm going to guess it's, it's a lower than average sales director turnover. So I would jump to the assumption that there's a, a high level of loyalty and a high level of, of satisfaction uh, in as far as is job satisfaction. Um, I believe the last statistic, Gary, was something like 75% of sales uh, director turnover in our business, even higher, maybe during COVID. Um, so this, the, my question or, or comment kind of segues into my next, the next topic, which is your, your culture, your, the, your company culture. And 
can you kind of speak maybe to, to both your, your retention, um, you know, that, that satisfaction, kind of what, what advice or, or what y'all do? And um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Westminster's uh, culture, what it's like to work for you all. Sure. Well, first, let me say that um, from a retention perspective for our sales directors and leaders, um, we're probably about 80 percent uh, retention rate for those sales directors. Uh, our, the majority of our sales directors are still in place that have been here um, way back when, when you and that's, I. That's, I'm sorry for interrupting. That's, I mean, when I say 80 percent, I'm talking about turnover. You have approximately a 20 percent turnover. Um, I would say, yeah, I think that's roughly about where we're at with sales directors. I mean, I, we, I, we do have a lot of loyalty um, yeah. from that perspective. And um, part of that is, I think, the ongoing um, culture and the recognition and support that uh, is given to those individuals. And we work together to solve challenges and um, through our like you said, our vice president as sales and marketing, she is amazing. Um, you know, I worked really hard to convince her to join us way uh, a long time ago. And um, she helped pick up from what you and I were doing and really take us across the finish line. And she has really built a team and a stronger um, process in the culture itself. I mean, we are on a culture journey currently. Uh, two years ago, we got a new CEO, Terry Rogers, joined our organization and he's uh, helped identify that there's opportunities within our culture. So we're on a um, broad-based uh, culture journey within the organization to really just refocus and uh, even make it more robust and richer. Um, we've always had a good culture here, but there's always um, in any um, QAPI or um, CQI process uh, opportunities where we continue to, to do better. Uh, <clears throat> from recruitment and retention as, a, as an organization, um, we've, uh, we're very typical as far as in the healthcare area, um, but in other areas, we are stronger with the ancillary areas, so I'll just say that. Um, COVID has made it difficult, no different than the acute care yeah. uh, areas and yeah. people getting uh, the opportunity to evaluate their lives and what they really want. So, um, you know, we're all <laughs> pivoting and adapting as we get through mm -hmm. that. And um, yeah. hopefully we'll see uh, individuals come back into the workforce to help um, us continue to get stronger as far as that goes. Yes, absolutely. Um, one thing I'm hearing you say is that continual quest for improvement. You know, the, that excellence is always your goal and then stretching and stretching and learning and, and you know, what way can we improve? What wakes, okay, now this is what, this is life now, <laughs> or this is, is, you gotta pivot, improve, stretch. Uh, why, all while uh, maintaining excellence and certainly not just not for just your employees, it is your residents, of course. And um, so just really know we're, we're running out of time, but some of the things that you, you all do uh, for your residents, uh, you think like the continuing education, the, the collaboration, uh, kind of partnerships from a local level, uh, Gary, that Westminster communities of Florida, 
is, um, is done and continues to do, um, even like with local colleges or universities um, in, in other organ volunteer organizations in, the, in your local communities. Can you kind of share a couple of examples of why a resident chooses to live in one of your communities? Sure. One, one of our core foundations um, is about lifelong learning in, in our broader wellness um, program. So that um, giving, ensuring that residents have an opportunity to continue their purpose and have a purpose-driven life. Um, part of that is about lifelong learning in our relationships with the 10 universities that we have um, some form of uh, affiliation or just a relationship with to support that lifelong learning where there's classes that are given on our campuses um, prior to the pandemic, I think it's fair to say, but hopefully we'll get back to that soon where we actually have space on um, many of our campuses where those individuals come in to teach classes um, of whatever the residents want to learn about. I think uh, one of the key components for us has always been, since I've been here, like no other organization I've ever worked at, where our residents have voice. Um, whether or not that comes across as there's 35 different um, resident-driven committees on a, on a campus, if there's anything um, a resident wants to do, you can generally find that there's a committee of individuals um, working on that to bring some fulfillment into their life or um, through our large and expanding um, fitness centers to help individuals stay um, spry and uh, continue to have that workout work over their mind, body and spirit. So um, our focus is on the wellness, the wholeness of an individual within our organization. Um, in our resident councils, um, we work closely. Um, while we always work closely with our resident councils, I think the pandemic um, forced us to even work closer. We would have um, weekly meetings through Zoom with all of our resident council chairs, just that touch base of where we're at with each community uh, um, to give feedback from the organization's leadership, but also to hear from each of the resident council chairs what their challenges were. And we work together on through um, each, each week, quite frankly. We are currently, um, so through the couple years, we are now um, at where we still have monthly Zooms. While um, COVID is waning in this Omicron period, when we hope to that it will continue to wane, that um, we still have those monthly Zooms with our resident council chairs um, to just give feedback and so that we can continually work together for the life of the community. It sounds as I'm listening to you, sort of a, I'm visualizing a full circle. You start with sales directors, executive directors, community leaders who connect with prospects, build a relationship, as you said, they feel seen and heard and make that emotional connection, however short or long the decision cycle is for that individual, right? Can be a couple of years and even longer sometimes with, with uh, you know, a, a life plan community. Uh, and then as your, in, your team members, your employees feel seen and heard, your retention, especially in the sales realm, is incredible. And then your residents 
feel seen and heard as well. Their voices matter. And that's powerful because that's, isn't that at the end of the day, um, kind of fulfilling what it is that we all want to do and feel, you know, that, that we're striving to do and that we all need, we all need to have a voice and more importantly, feel seen and heard. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And, you know, I am not pretending to say that we're perfect, and we continually improve um, in that area. So, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about um, our residents and um, ensuring that they have what they want and, you know, and helping them um, obtain what they want at their campus. Gary, thank you so much for spending some time with me this morning. I really, really appreciate you uh, spending time, like I said, sharing your expertise. It's great to see you. And I hope that you continue, I know you will continue uh, personally, professionally, being very, very successful. And I'm going to continue being your biggest fan. Well, you know, I, I need to publicly say I, I still very much am very grateful to you, Julie, and for those early days here at Westminster, helping us get off on the right foot and just always being there um, and available should um, there be a challenge. And, uh, and I thank you for coming to support our teams and look forward to seeing you um, in the training this coming May. I'm so excited about that. So I get to go to Florida. I'll come to Florida anytime, Gary. You just call me. Okay, sounds great. Good to see you.